welcome to How About a Time Machine. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for accepting yeah. the invitation. We're here with Peter Bingham. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this for us, with us. Um, uh, yeah, let's just get right into it, if that's okay with you. Totally. Would you just, for our listeners who are new to this or new to the dance community, just give us, tell us a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a choreographer, dancer, performer. I'm old. <laughs> I've been doing it for uh, I like this already. 41, 41 years at this point. Wow. I started uh, at 24 years old, so that tells you how old I am. <laughs> we'll let the audience do the math. Yeah. Um, I basically fell in love with improvisation and then very shortly after that contact improvisation so that's been my base ever since 1975 and that's the year you started dancing yeah yeah and that and, and you were born in vancouver i was born in vancouver born. even though my family lived around the country up until i was 15. So my dad was in the air force that is in the Air Force. Yeah. Cool. And in in, on, in Ontario? Spent three years in Ontario uh, at one point, two years in Winnipeg, three years in Calgary, three years in Claire's home, Alberta. Cool. And then previous to all of that, before my dad re-entered the Air Force after the war, mm -hmm. spent three years in Quinnell. Mm. And I was born in Vancouver. So I was born and then we moved shortly after that. Cool. So your dad was in the Air Force during the war? Uh, he was in the Air Force during the war and then he got out of the Air Force, went to university, graduated university, went back into the Air Force. Canadian Air Force? Yes. Oh, crazy. But he was flying out of England during the war. No way. So was he Battle of Britain and all that? I guess you'd say yes to that. I mean, he was flying on the bombers. He was a navigator. Whoa, that's wild. Yeah, he's still alive. Crazy. Is he still flying? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> In his mind, he's probably <laughs> occasionally. Oh, that's crazy. That's fun. And, when you were 24, how did, how did dance start? Uh, well, um, there was a class going on in this space at the Western Front with a woman named Linda Rubin. And a very good friend of mine, Bruce Fraser, had somehow gotten into them. I don't know how he got into them because we were North Van boys, mm -hmm. you know, just regular redneck kids. <laughs> and um, I was at university studying uh, philosophy and psychology and playing music, basically. That was my main art form. Mm -hmm. And I, if anything, probably thought I was moving into music. Mm -hmm. And he tried to talk me into coming to this dance class. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I going to a dance class. Uh, even though I loved club dancing mm -hmm. 
And that's what he kept saying. This is not the same. You'll like it. Believe me. Mm -hmm. It's smoke-free, open space. Smoke-free? Oh, like, it's not, you know, there's, like, no, no alcohol, no... Right, right. No and no smoking drugs. in the lodge, as it no says on the front the door. Lodge, yeah. <laughs> oh. So it was, it was amazing to me, because you go, you could go out dancing at 5 o'clock in the evening dance really hard for three hours and then socialize afterwards. Right, right. So the I, I fell in love with that idea. So you started, you took the one class and then after that you just continued coming to classes? I took a weekend workshop and so by the end of the workshop I was pretty much addicted. I started taking classes four nights a week that's all she was offering. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then by the time the year end came, I stopped university. So yeah, I, was, exactly. I was actually going to university and dancing simultaneously from September through to December. And then I never went back in January. So that's that a pretty it. quick, or it seems to be a pretty quick, decisive maneuver on your end. Not a decisive, more, more no decision, actually. Mm. It was more just, that's what I was enjoying doing, so that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I never made a decision to dance. I can't remember making one. Mm. Scratch, scratch, scratch. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And in this same room. Yeah. Oh, for the audience, we're actually sitting at Evan Dance. Um, in the Western Front. In the Western Front, uh, which, Peter, if you give us, uh, maybe next, a little history in this space and how... This space was actually, the building, the Western Front building, was purchased by eight artists or friends of artists in 1972. And they started, they bought the building and then started a whole arts organization upstairs. Mm. Linda Rubin uh, started making, doing classes here in 1975, I believe. She used to be downtown on Robson Street. Mm -hmm. And so my entry into the building happened then. The building itself was, um, was um, geared towards performance art, poetry, um, music, new music, um, and and some dance performance stuff. Uh, I think, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I saw some pretty great people here. I saw Laurie Anderson here, saw Alan Ginsberg, Alan Greg, Ginsberg. Gary Snyder, yeah. Uh, Jerry Gilbert, who is a Canadian uh, Vancouver poet. Mm. I saw some some European artists, which really radical performance artists, doing mm. some very crazy stuff. I mean, that's sort of so. I mean, my my experience in dance was actually performance art. Mm. It wasn't so much dance, and that I find that very stimulating. Mm. <laughs> Comparatively, some of it was boring, <laughs> but 
But uh, most of it was actually pretty radical. Cool. Yeah. And I got I got hired to perform in their works occasionally. Uh-huh. So I, you know, I was I was making my money doing physical labor stuff, mm-hmm. plumbing, helping out people. My brothers used to build things. Great. Right. So I was I was never like thinking about money. Uh-huh. It's all. It was just like, wow, this is this is a gas. Right, right. Mm. And so, okay, to further the building thing, mm-hmm. Linda moved out of this place and, and, and created main dance space, uh-huh. in fact, on the second floor there. It's burned down now. And uh, when she vacated this space, um, Peter Ryan, me, uh, Helen Clark, Andrew Harwood, a few others. There's nine of us that sort of generally were practicing contact constantly. Mm. They would let us come in and just use this space. Right. We'd just walk in the door and say, hey, can we use the dance space? And they'd say, yeah, nobody's using it, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So for, you know, for a number of years, because they believed in housing art and... Right. It wasn't a money-making operation, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I guess we were in favor with them. You could say we were in favor with them. We were radical improvisers. They they did show. Um, Andrew did a solo up there with a pianist at one point. Steve and Lisa came and did uh, part there. Mm. Andrew Harwood did that. Yeah. And Steve Steve Paxton. Yes, yeah, Steve Paxton. So, did he bring contact to Vancouver and then you all started? Uh, Actually, a guy named John Gamble, I think, was the first guy to come, but I'm not really sure. There's a guy named Michael Linehan, he used to be called Seamus, Mm -hmm. who would know better in terms of the contact, the exact times and dates of contact first coming. Mm I took a workshop with Nancy Stark Smith in January of 1976 and was invited into that workshop. It was invite, invitation only. And there was 12 or 13 of us, and we did a workshop with Nancy in the Tamnus Theater space, which was over in Kitsilano. Mm-hmm. So that was my introduction to contact. But anyway, we would practice here. Right. And then Edom took this space. We negotiated a, a monthly rental on this space in 1982. Right, and so, and maybe backtracking a little bit, Falcom Dance comes before yeah. that. That's a trio, an improv trio based in contact. Right. And Andrew Howard, Helen Clark, and me. And, uh, and that was before 76. That was after. That was 77 and 78 for two years. Okay. Maybe two and a half years. Then Andrew moved to Eugene, I think, at that point. Hal and I were a couple. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we did a national tour after the conference because we performed with the culture in the conference. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody had ever seen contact before. And we were really uh, wired up to 
demonstrate it. So we didn't get all caught up in the performance aspect. We just right. went out there and demonstrated it, and it was actually quite a lively performance. Cool. Just three of you. Yeah. So it was based in Lindy Rubin's improvisational techniques, right. and contact is the base. Right. So we were improvising, because there was always like a duet or a trio, or three solos. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's your combinations possible. Right. It was only about 15 minutes. We got a standing ovation. People went like right off the deep end for it. So we taught a workshop after that performance of the coach. Jammed this place with dancers from all over the country. Wow. So that's where we met Jennifer Masco, Sarah Shelton Mann, Diane Moore. They're all early. Sarah Shelton Mann ended up running contraband down in San Francisco. Cool. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, you know who she is. Mm -hmm. And I met a few other people and we did this uh, tour, this Falcon tour. We also toured, did some performances with Sarah Sheldon and Diane Moore in Toronto at the Toronto Dance Festival. And then we Falcon did their own performance. Now the thing about Falcon that was unique and also in those days, but it was true of all contact performances, is that we did them in complete silence. No music. No music. And we performed for an hour. And at the end of performances, it was like this. And people would be afraid to clap. And then they'd go like, because, you know, they've never seen anything like that. It's all brand new. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, uh, right. and Andrew and Helen and I were speci specifically different than other contact dancers in that we had an improvisation background. Right. So we didn't get caught up in just the flow of contact. Right. It came and went from it. Uh -huh. We used it, we built on it. Composition. It was more than connectivity between the three of you that also came apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you, you just always danced together. Well, from 1975, yeah. yeah. Uh, and how long was, how long did it stay around? Well, Fulcrum, I mean, Fulcrum formed, I probably around a year after I started dancing, so in mid-1976. It started off as a performance of four dancers, and then one one of the dancers, who was Michael Sheamus, uh -huh. sprained his ankle. Uh, so he had to watch, and Andrew and Helen and I did the performance, and it was in here, actually. And it just clicked. It just clicked. There was, there was no moment of, there was no hesitation. He see through himself, I was well, yeah, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he would have liked to have stayed. I mean, I did lots of performing with Michael over the years. Mm -hmm. He's a great contact dancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, just to go back, uh, oh, just escaped my mind. It's amazing. Um, I forgot it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out later. <laughs> um, so Falcon and then Edam Dance, or you, you guys are moving here, Edam Dance gets together. Uh, yeah, Edam Dance formed later. 
later. Like I went to, I, I had a knee operation in 1979. Finished the operation, spent six months getting retuned, and then the doctors basically said, nah, you'll never dance. And I believed them. And so uh, Helen and I decided to go traveling for a year. Where did you go? Uh, Samoa, uh, Australia, Southeast Asia, Japan. Cool. Hawaii. Hawaii. That was in 1979, 1980. That split. And Helen's Australian. Mm -hmm. So I, we, we spent Christmas with her family. I think we left in November or whatever. And then we had a little Volkswagen comedy van and we traveled up the East Coast for five months. Cool. In this little combi van, Volkswagen van. Cool. It was a very cool adventure. But we did a lot of walking and I body surfed every day for four or five hours. Cool. And it healed my knee. Standing in waves, stabilizing my knee constantly. Great. Because you're always just, just on your tiptoes, right? And when you're waiting to body surf. Yeah. Yeah. You jump up into the wave and then cut the groove, so to speak. I remember that for my next surgery. We had this was what I was wondering is happened before you start contact where you're going to school. Were you doing any other physical activities or when you came into contact you just fit right in because you were physically I was, I, I just loved dancing. I was not physically, I don't know if I was physically, I was skinny as a rake. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I wouldn't say I was in shape, but I wasn't out of shape either. But I smoked like a fiend. And both pot and tobacco don't let any Americans hear this. No, no Americans. What? <laughs> Oh, back then? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was a pretty, pretty constant pot smoker. Waking and big Peter, waking big. It was, I mean, also the dance classes, they started at 5 or 5.30 in the evening. Seven, until 10 o'clock in the night. It was always that time of day. Whereas when I first started taking dance classes with Karen Jamison, it was 8.30 in the morning, that killed me. Right. And the, uh, yeah, I guess I guess um, I'd have to say that I did a lot of dancing in that state. I go dancing twice a week just to get in that state. Yeah, well, like again, I was never considered myself a dancer. Right. I, it was just what I was doing at the time. And it was inclusive, basically, because you guys dance for hours and you start to get in shape and everything you're saying getting more and more. I, it was more an issue of like, I, I can fucking do that. <laughs> it was more that. Right. You know, it, was, it wasn't like, am I in shape? It was like, can I, can I achieve that physical stuff? Right. I never, I never even thought about being in shape. Mm -hmm. I learned that, I learned later when I started doing Pilates and stuff with Diane Miller about tuning my conditioning. Is that what it's going to be as well? It's around that time. It's just, 
power through. Oh, smoking cigarettes. Mm. I stopped that in 1979. Let's see. 78. Actually, 78. I, I quit for a few years and started up for a couple. I don't smoke. Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually don't smoke much of anything, but I definitely don't smoke cigarettes. Hmm. Did you tell us a bit about Eden? How did you met? Well, Eden was a combination of people I already knew. It was Jennifer, Peter Ryan, and then there was Helen Clark, who was around at that time. Tyler Merrill, Andrew. Um, Michael Sheamus, Linehan. There's nine of us, Karen Malcolm. Not bad memory. Seven out of nine. <laughs> no, 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 So you guys, those of us that work in here, and um, I got asked, and Peter Ryan got asked, and Jennifer got asked to do a piece for Karen Jamison called "Coming Out of Chaos," mm -hmm. which, by the way, she's wanting to do some kind of podcasting thing, oral history. Yes about coming out of chaos and the people who were in that piece. Mm -hmm. There were Auckland Hassan, who is now dead, Lola McLaughlin, who is now dead, uh, Savannah Walling, who is uh, Terry Hunter's partner, mm -hmm. and they, they're a Vancouver movie theater, I think that's what they call themselves now. Mm -hmm. They used to be called Terminal City Dance Research. Yes. And Karen Jameson was in that piece. Barbara, Barbara Bourget. Mm -hmm. uh, they asked Jay and they asked... Uh, oh no, they didn't ask Jay. No. They just asked Jay, I guess. My memory fails me. No, Jay was asked to be part of Eden and so was Helen. They both said no and then Jay said yes. No, there was no Eden. It was just people who were dancing together. Right. You know. And there's all you guys. Yeah. You know. We would run workshops and and practice a lot. And invite people to our practices and do informal performances. Right. And do you feel like that even that time was strictly? Uh, contact, or was it that just you, you guys improvising together? It was what improvising? It was about contact was the main practice. Mm -hmm. We we had already spent a couple of years with Linda with the improv stuff, and it just stuck. Mm -hmm. the, the improv information, which is now sort of rampant in theater and. And dance all over the place. And viewpoints probably comes out of all the stuff that we were working on back then. Viewpoints and also um, what's her name down in California? Uh, 
happen. It'll help it happen. And, and Linda was interested in all those people. And we were her students. And she used to do technique, Graham technique classes. But then when it came to learning choreography, we would never, we would always just cut diagonals across the floor improvising. Right. Doing leaps and improvising. And jumping and catching on each other, like running from opposite corners of the room, catching each other and doing little duets. Mm -hmm. and, and then we would do main, like whole score improvisations with 25 students. Right. Coming and going in central focus and tuning. And it was such a pleasure to start dancing with two or three people, because they have 25. Right. So where were the two of our crew from? All the students, they were just hippies. Era. There's a lot of context in the there. Now we barely get 25, I think. Had 25, we had 26 on Sunday. On last yeah, Friday. yeah, yeah. We had 26. I think we did we have 27 uh, uh, last week. I think we had 26 and... We had 26 twice. Oh, little people inside of the microphone. Uh, that's class, Peter, teachers, contact class, Monday to Friday, from 10 until 12. And uh, what's your maximum? 24 is 24. 24, and then there's been two yeah. extra of the last. It makes it more cautious, too, to dance with that other people. Also you again. learn a different finesse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really important actually because when I was learning all this stuff, the classes were all that size. Twenty-six. It's a lot. And we, you know, we'd line up and run the length of this room and jump at each other, and we practice crashing and um, you know, the original, the early contact performances were literally on mats. Mm -hmm. Well, one person would run at another person and launch themselves at that person, and then the improvisation was when you made contact. Right. <laughs> the recovery, that was the improvisation. So, ninth, so this is like late 70s. You guys have been in contact here. How's the relationship between, I guess, like Steve in the States <coughs> and... Because there was, this was one scene, but also, was there a lot of connection between... There was a lot of connection between Vancouver and San Francisco, right. and Vancouver and the East. We called it the East, the, the mystical East, which is really actually more the West. The East was more analytical. You mean like a... There was a real division, not a division like a schism, uh -huh. but, but they were interesting intellectually, in this material in, in the East, and they were interested viscerally in this, in this material from, from the West. Mm -hmm. And they both were visceral, and both were intellectual, but, mm -hmm. you know, there was your bent. Steve was much more on the intellectual side of things. Right. So it suited me, because I, you know, I was uh, much more of a thinker, in a sense, like, I, I had to understand things before I do. You know, like, right. in this classes, I took the classes and I did the exercises, but I never participated in the open improvisations for three months. Oh, sit and watch. I just sit and watch. You know, what the are they doing? Mm -hmm. 
how are they doing that? What, how are they figuring out what to do? Did you, you know, eventually Linda uh, got down on me for not participating in the problem. I started. I was just like, wow. It's trippy. Yeah, it is. It's funny. In, uh, Peter also has a scholarship program for any young dancers or anybody out of school, I guess. It's yeah, you have to have done a, a major school program. Major school program. Uh, so that includes MODIS or I've had some source people here. SFU for sure. Winnipeg Contemporary School. Uh, I think that would be fine. Yeah, but hey, I, haven't, I haven't had any big marks yet. Yeah. 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 TDT, Ladney. Oh, TDT, Ladney, yeah. But from source, it's shocking. Why? That they would want, like, I guess, I remember a couple came. But yeah, no, I've had, there's been a couple of, I mean, um, I can't remember which ones exactly. I had some from Harbor Dance. Mm-hmm. And those ones, because I don't, it's not so much of a school, uh, or unless the source is at Harbor Dance, is it? The source is at Harbor Okay, so that's, yeah. I've had three then, or four from there. Mm-hmm. But I, it, I look at the number of years they've been practicing. Right. You know, it, it equals the same as a school program, I'll invite them in. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm giving a dry throat, I don't know why. Is there anyone now that has uh, is from source? No. And always this modus and as if you there's a lot of modus in this scholarship. And Winnipeg. And Winnipeg, yes. Elena's from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I don't know. From that school anyway. Which I teach you know, I teach there every year, so I've known her. Um, I guess I didn't, uh, an next question, did you have any other questions? I think we're still, we're still on Edam. Oh, we're still on Edam, yeah. We haven't got to Edam yet. No, not Edam. Yeah. Before the formation of Edam, um, I think the, the rest of the dance landscape in Vancouver, like, other people doing other things, or if... Terminal City Dance Research, Mountain Dance Theater, Jumpstart happened fairly soon after. I don't think it was quite on yet. Who was Jumpstart? Terminal City. Lee Eisler. So a lot of the locals were now um, not dancing so much. Jen, I, I remember Kate used to dance for Lee Eisler. Raymond Milne. Mm-hmm. Who's Kate? What? Kate McDonough. Okay. Yeah. She teaches at Studio 58. Yes, yes, yes. I, I met, I met her. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. She used to be married to Cornelius. Yeah. Um, so was there, like, there's the, you were going to see all those shows and stuff like that? Was there, like, a sense of community between all? It was kind of a sense of community. I mean, there was Anna Wyman. Yeah. Um, and uh, on Broad West Broadway, uh, Paula Ross, Paula Ross, uh-huh. Anna Wyman, Paula Ross, and shortly after that, Judith Marcuse. Right. Ah, 
So, and Anna Lemon and Paula Ross were sort of establishment. We were the anti-establishment. <laughs> and uh, Karen was probably in between those two things, I guess. I'm not sure. She, she ended up hiring me and Peter Ryan and Jennifer, like I said, and Barbara Berger to do Coming Out of Chaos. Ahmed Hassan was the musician, and I included, and I said this earlier, was um, Savannah Walling. I think that's the word it was in it. Lola was in Lola. Sorry, Lola as well. Sorry, Lola. Um, she came in later. No, Lola was there at the beginning of Coming Out of Chaos. So Karen had gotten a commission, I believe from Grant Stratty, mm-hmm. somehow. SFU right. to make this piece. She asked us all to participate. And um, we, it kind of was like the formation. Of, we realized that on some level uh, they, nobody agrees on this, so about how it got started. My memory is I was having a, I was walking with Jennifer down. Uh, either Carroll Street or Columbia Street towards their studio, which was the studio at Pender and Carroll. No, I no, used to live in it. Is the building still? It's not right on the corner. The building right on the corner is that little skinny little guy. Yeah, yeah. And then next door to that, this is for those three stories in there. Oh, he did performances in there. And, uh, Terry and Savannah used to live in there. And uh, later on, Noam lived there, like I said. So we would rehearse in there, and uh, and we were walking down the street with Jennifer, this is my memory, trying to figure out about money. Like, how could we get some money to keep doing this work? Not, Not coming out of chaos, our own work but to keep working because there's no money for individual artists. Uh, None. If you owned a company, you couldn't get money. No funding available. So we we decided, in my mind, we decided to form a collective. No. I think that she thinks she started with Peter Ryan. I'm not sure. She's had different conversations. Anyway, it started off with me and Peter Ryan and uh, Jennifer, we asked Lola and Ahmed, who were a couple. We asked Barbara and Jay. Jay had been working with Jennifer. We did a piece together, and then Jay and Jay and I did a piece for Jennifer called Broken Up with Helen Clark. Yes, Helen to be part of it, she refused. She refused. Yeah, she didn't want to be part of any collective. Fuck that. That was basically her attitude. <laughs> She's very independent. And, you know, interested in creating performance work. Mm-hmm. And, she pro- and she created a lot. Uh, she was my partner, so mm-hmm. I got to perform a lot of the work that she created. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How long were you guys together for? You don't know Between six and eight years. She spent the last couple of years at Antioch doing a master's degree in mm-hmm. dance history, dance 
therapy. So even though we're together, we're also kind of otherwise engaged as well. Right. So we never really broke up. And we still haven't on some level. Yeah. We had the same birthday. No way. Yeah. I always did something to go to birthday on the same day, but on different months. I thought that was cool, but that's even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> same, same day, same year. What? Wow. She was born in Australia, though, so she was born... Oh, wait, wait. Nine hours ahead of me or something like that. Wild. Huh. Yeah. So then Edam gets started. You guys somehow... You didn't get started, but also movement tarts was happening. Which was run by Jane Allison. Mm. And that was performance working here and at the fire hall. She was producing, she produced Marie Schwinar, she produced us. <coughs> it's what we were looking at at the fundraiser last, last week at the Western Front. Mm. That kind of material. Right. So that was going on, and then there was Terminal City Dance Research, and then Eden was forming out of, out of necessity, basically. Right. And so then you went... So that was 1982. Right. So we're, you know, like, we haven't really covered all of those years, including the year that I was away, but I guess it depends on how it dense you want to be. No, let's, let's go back then. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess, so you're talking about the period right before EDM gets started. Yeah, that was Karen Jameson and uh, Coming Out of Chaos was one thing, and then we were all making individual performances. Um, and there was a group of nine people practicing contact which we, that was happening here. We used to call ourselves Around Nine because context is so circular. <laughs> and uh, we did a lot of traveling around. I mean, that's where, you know, the study happened elsewhere as well as here. I mean, we brought Steve in. We brought in a group called Reunion, which was Steve and Nancy Stark-Smith and Nita Little and Kurt Siddle. <laughs> And after seeing Kurt dancing, I decided I wanted to go and stay with him because I really liked his approach to contact and improvisation. Mm -hmm. Where was he based? San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I went down there with a whole bunch of us. We went down to San Francisco and studied a thing called Focus 76 or Focus 78 or something. Mm -hmm. We had all, all these different teachers, including a group called Mangrove, which were all men. <laughs> and uh, those guys used to throw me around rather readily. <laughs> and so there was, and there was a lot of exchange Boulder, Colorado at, at um, uh, University called there. It's, um, it's a Buddhist university in Boulder. Anyway, there was a lot of contact going on. Nancy used to teach there, huh. and uh, Nancy and Barbara Dilley 
There's a whole bunch of people from the uh, New York scene, the Judson Church people. Mm -hmm. They were they were also teaching in Boulder and Naropa mm -hmm. in Boulder. Robert Gilly, uh, the singer. God, I tried to remember her name the other day. I couldn't remember. Now I can't remember it again. Uh, some famous people: Alan Ginsberg, uh, Peter Orlovsky, Greg Creed Bateson, uh, Trillian Trumpa. These are all amazing intellects mm -hmm. and poets. Ann Waldman. What's her name? She used to do extended vocal work, you know, and she was brilliant. She's famous. Well, did she... She did a performance on a quilt one time. That was what she was doing when I saw her. So, that was the only call I saw all that in Europa, yeah. Right. I was only there for a weekend, believe it or not. Andrew Howard and Peter Ryan and Helen had gone to Europa for the summer. And my friend Bruce, the guy who got me into dancing, and I... Well, I'm Jillian. Jillian was one of the nine that I neglected to mention. She's dead now, too, actually. Jillian Jillian Rounds, and she was connected to Bruce Fraser, and they had a kid together in Indiana. And that all happened during that period of time. And Bruce is still did he continue being at the dance? No, no, he's a construction guy now. He does he does he does a variety of different types of work, but he's a construction guy, contractor. Yeah, no, he he got me into it and then just as quickly he got out and left me with it. So uh, he was part of the early performance group, Linda's performance group. So why was I talking about Bruce? Uh, call, you went up an exchange between San Francisco. Oh yeah, no, Bruce and I decided, because Jillian was there and Helen was there, and they, they were our recent, most recent lovers, you know, in pelvic affiliates. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we were missing pretty badly, so we just jumped in my pickup truck and drove to Boulder. Nice. What kind of pickup? 64 Chevy. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So then you went there for how long? Well, we went there, we were probably there three or four days. But I saw every, every day there was performances. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Amazing things came out. We got invited into classes because we were skilled at those classes. There were, um, Lynn Snelling's teacher was there too. It was from Nancy Toff. Linda Snelling's I'm still trying to remember the name of that vocalist. And Peter Lai, where is he now? He's, uh, I, last I heard is he's in Toronto and he's going by the name of Loma. Uh, 
Oh, really? Yeah, so he's turned. Are you guys still in contact? Uh, not really. I mean, it's not that we haven't been out of contact in, in a purposefully. Right. Just, just haven't been in contact. Mm -hmm. So he's still connected to Steve. Steve still sees him on occasion. He lives out east. And where's Steve working out of there? Steve lives on the farm in Vermont. Yeah, you know how old are you? Seventy something? But he doesn't teach or anything like that. I think he's still teaching occasionally. Yeah. And he does workshops. I mean, he was here like uh, five years ago. I think I remember I couldn't take the workshop, but I, I had just I had just started dancing. Mm -hmm. doing contact. No. And you got here a year before me, so this moment. Something like that. Hmm. So then, so wait, so all that, when you went to Colorado and stuff, that's the late 70s and well? one? That would have been 78. 78. Yeah. Because so I quit for a year. Oh, great. right. Went traveling. Went traveling. Came back and found I could dance again, which was shocking. Uh-huh. And the knee injury was from dance. No, the knee injury was from playing football. Ah, when I was a team. What position did you play? I was actually a wide receiver. Oh, cool. But I didn't know football very well. I was 14 years old, and uh, I actually heard playing flag football. Mm. But when I played full helmet football, I was a wide receiver. Mm. Which mm. was basically a, a season. Maybe a season and a half. It's kind of like contact. It's just a little more aggressive than contact. Well, helmets like that. I was. Uh, I. I would have to say that I kind of worked out on the contact sports. I, uh, hockey. I played hockey until I was 15. As well, but I found it too violent. Right. That's why I love contact actually, because it was like all that physicality without being violent. Yeah. yeah. It's like what a trip. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Um, so then it's 78. Now, four years later, Eden gets together. So what fills up that four-year chunk? Well, it's the one year of traveling, and then um, Karen Jameson's coming out of chaos took up about eight months or a year. Right. So there's... Uh, I was building my house at the time with my brother. My brothers actually were helping all of them. We were trying to get into a, a basically a develop, developing houses, old houses, refurnishing them, refurbishing them. Right. So we did the house that I'm in now, and then the market crashed. So we just did everything we could to keep the house from losing it. Right. And it's now it's still in my hands. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. It's a big, big score. It is a big score. Yeah. You know, I still have a mortgage. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're talking... So I had to buy out people occasionally. Right. Partners. So... Then... Are you jumping at a rush? Coming out of chaos. <laughs> happened. 
Uh, we did a tour to, uh, this is a crazy piece, I, I don't know, I don't know if he was actually that successful. Here's what it was. Jennifer ended up uh, not doing the final performances and Barbara Bougie joined. I think that's how that worked. And the video phone you guys have is right now? Coming, yeah. coming out of chaos. Yeah, that's and it was, I mean, basically it was, it was, in, it was set improvisation. So you do an improvisation and, and then we'd set it. And so a lot, it was kind of anti-technical dancing. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, it was technical from a contact point of view, but not from a regular dancer's point of view. Yeah. So it was considered kind of outrageous. <laughs> yeah. So there was, I mean, I guess that was when the technical transference began to happen and uh, you know, people started recognizing the skill involved in the alternative dance styles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, Eden was one of the early companies to get funding. From Canada Council? Yeah, from the Canada Council. Mm -hmm. The first money we got was for, was for management, <laughs> and then later on we got money for dancers. Cool. So, so that was 1982. You guys established as a non-for-profit? Non-profit collective. Non-profit. Mm -hmm. So the, we have seven of us. Seven of them. Yeah. Uh, would you mind just letting the little people in the speaker know what EDAM stands for? Experimental Dance and Music. And that, and that name just came out of uh, the group? Ahmed made it up. Yeah, I was never in favor of it, but it was also, I got voted out. And you're the one that kept it. Yeah. I was interested in something you know, more descriptive. Experimental dance and music in, in the first place is you don't dance for very long before what you're doing is not experimental any longer. Right. And then you're stuck with a, you know, like, oh, your title, your, your name doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was always, <coughs> it's really funny that I ended up with the company because yes, it was the one that really hated the name. <laughs> and everybody else was in favor. And then when I when I took the company, like after the last people left, which was Jennifer and Peter Ryan and Lola, mm -hmm. I was it was I was actually not bullied, but told I should definitely not change the name of the company because the reference to Edom's history abuse was right. I was inheriting it. Right, of course. So I took their advice and just said, okay, well, what's in the name? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, st I still don't like it. <laughs> still changing. I guess I could, but, you know, I, I also, I don't, I don't really like, you know, the Peter Bingham Dance Company. Just, right. That right. sucks. And, and what would you change it to if you could now? Oh... Aggressive tendencies, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That goes so well with contact.
I don't know, just something more appropriate. Right. Something. Right. Something. I love that. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's just off the top of my head. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> then EDM goes with seven members. The seven members. It didn't take hardly any time at all before Lolo was out dancing for Drosier and Aqua was out making music for Drosier. No, they, came, they stayed involved in Eden, but they weren't really around. Right. And uh, Jay and I made a lot of work together. Barbara made work on Jay and I quite a bit. We did some major building performance stuff. We did a thing called Eden Made in here. Uh, where we used the whole building for performances. Jennifer had an installation up on the second floor of televisions or monitors. And uh, a guy named Mel Wong was here. I think it's Mel. Jan Barber brought him. He was a teacher coming out, I believe. And then he did a huge performance in here going in and out of the windows and we had structures built on the walls and we had a car that was there was uh, Jay and I had taken a settling torch to and cut it into pieces and hung it from the ceiling of the wow of the studio and we had a big cage at this end. We did it. I think that's the same piece. How did the floor stay so nice? I used to lay a marley down. Oh, really? I think I'm pretty sure for those performances we laid a marley down, which is, I never liked, but. Mm -hmm. Again, this differences of opinion. Which they were there from the very beginning. The Marley's? No, the differences. The differences. Marley's always And you know, it's hard because you like these people. I mean, we form we formed the collective because we like each other on some level. We could sense my mood. I mean, Barbara's a ballet dancer. Peter and I and I were like postmodern pedestrianists, if you will. Lolo was a modern dancer from this view. Ahmed was basically a composer, a percussionist. Who am I missing? And Jennifer? Oh, and Jennifer is considered a modern dancer, even though I would call her more of a postmodern thinker at least if nothing else. Is that, is that Jennifer was the one with the reputation with like that had a history mm. doing work that was I saw her do her she did a piece in at the Nassau conference in nineteen seventy eight that we did Fulcrum. She did a piece where they were running across the stage um, one person would be walking across the stage and somebody else would be running after them in gumboots and do like a, what do call those jumps? A piggyback yeah. jump, slam into each other and walk off. The whole show was something like that. It was like really the whole piece. Wow. She may not agree with me. She, her memory's going to be better than mine about it. That's what I remember about it. And for that time, that was kind of... I was, yeah, it was... Insane. Like, it was, yeah, experimental. Everything was experimental in those days. Though. I mean, the happenings from the 60s yeah. had moved through most of society. Right. 
there was a sexual revolution and performance revolution, music revolution. Mm-hmm. It was all dance revolution. And dance revolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, dance and theater were actually good. Right. The performance art actually came from dance. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or at least North American performance arts. Yeah. So it seems to be tied. Yeah. From what to some degree. I mean, the history upstairs is not exactly a dance history. It's a limited, and I, I'm happy to be part of it, but it's a limited section of the dance community that's involved in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David and Justine got involved a little bit. David, no. Tiffany and Justine Tiffany. did some stuff up there. Yeah, when I did the entries and exits, the And I've had a couple other people, but I don't know where they found them from. And by, when you say the history of upstairs, you mean what's been done upstairs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eden's not part of that organization. Yeah. We're cooperative with them for sure. Yeah. Separate entities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for how long did Eden, as the kind of collective, or I guess well, as it started, like uh, Lola went off to Derosier and Jay, and um, Jay actually was dancing with Karen Jameson mm-hmm. for a while. He did, he did sisters. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, Barbara, he just, you know, put on one, one person would work up the work to put on a show or would do a mixed bag show of mm-hmm. half a dozen pieces. And uh, that's when the differences started coming out. You know, like they, wanted, they wanted me to wear leotards. I was like, what? Who wanted you to wear leotards? Well, Barbara made me wear a tight leggings and one. a loose pair of shirt. But I was interested in sweatpants. Sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> to perform in, or street clothes. Yeah. But. There was a time that came where everybody wanted to go their own separate ways. Yeah, after two or three years, we, I mean, we did big shows. We did the Playhouse, sold out the Playhouse a couple of years in a row. Cool. And we were like the new, the new collective, mm-hmm. you know, radical artists in the dance world, in the Vancouver dance world, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, but the work, uh, you know, I mean, we had, there was issues with the work in that we had different aesthetics and we didn't, I don't think we really realized that. And so there was this effort at a ballet modern dance aesthetic, there was a postmodern pedestrian aesthetic, there was a, like a performance art, um, intellectual approach to making work. And the, you know, like people didn't actually have a lot of respect for each other. From, from the get-go? From that point of view. No, I, th- I think we liked each other and we respect, we respect each other as people. Right. Mm-hmm. But as artists, there was there was issues with just what the material actually was. Absolutely. Like, for example, I'll give you. I'll speak from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I had a group of people called the Worker. There was seven of them. I was working on improvisation. They were highly physicalized non-dancers, mm-hmm. and some of them were dancers. Some of them could dance like a regular 
dancers, but yeah. So we were putting on a show at the fire hall, and they were making us show all of the works. So I got them to come and show an improvisation, which I thought was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I really was proud of them. Mm -hmm. Young young artists and movers. And they were hired. And, to uh, come and uh, the the I don't know who nominated them, but the nominating crew said, Your dad, we don't want to put that piece on the show. I said, why not? Because they're not professional dancers. And I said, well, I don't want professional dancers. <laughs> well, we don't want non-professional dancers in our show. And I said, well, I'm an artistic director here too. And what, what I want is those people. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. That's what I'm interested in. It's what Linda was interested in. It's the whole tradition of working improvisation. Right. They were, it was, it was like really tuned up improvisation, group improvisation. And uh, so I, I made my argument and won because I was right, mm -hmm. but my dancers refused to perform. What? Because they didn't feel wanted. That's terrible. So that was the beginning of a riff for me. Right. And uh, you know, I was the first one to quit. To quit Eden? Yeah. I quit in 1985. So three years after getting together. Yeah. I quit. Ringo was the first one to quit the Beatles. Oh, really? And then he came back, yeah. Yeah, well, what happened, from my point of view, again, I'm sure everybody's got their own point of view, but <laughs> from my point of view, I quit. And uh, Steve Paxson was coming to do a piece on Eden Company. And they talked me into, they said, look, you know, we know Steve's your guy. We wanted, you'd probably like to do this piece with him and all that stuff. And, and I, it wasn't like I became non-friendly. Right. I said, well, okay, I'll come back just to do Steve's piece. Mm -hmm. And the whole, while I was there, the whole month we were working, I think mostly Jay and Barber or Jay worked on me mm -hmm. to, <laughs> to come back, you know, to re-enter. Uh -huh. and, and I enjoyed it, and I, and I said, okay, yeah, fine, I, I'll do it. I felt like I'd made a point, and mm -hmm. we'd gotten through that, and... And really enjoyed the work with Steve. So Steve made a work on. You made a piece on Edom called Ankle On. Ankle On, and it was and it was. It was a structured improvisation. Mm -hmm. It was highly structured. It was actually a piece of choreography. Mm -hmm. Highly structured, based on grids and formulas, stuff like that. And anyway, I, I I said okay, I'll come back. And uh, three months later, Barbara Jay quit. So that's the eighty, so eighty five. So I think it's 85. Right. And they formed their own company. That's what Kokoro was. No, it wasn't Kokoro to start with. The, the Buto thing came two or three years later after they'd been, they, they, I think they thought they were going to take all the funding with them and they didn't get any of it. So, oh. I'm not really sure you'd have to ask them that question, but the money from uh, that Edom had at that point, Jennifer, Peter Ryan, Lola, and myself were left because Auckland basically vacated mm -hmm. and we were together for another three or four years mm -hmm. did Naked and Not Afraid of the New York Theater uh, where I danced for everybody else but I didn't have any of my own work in it mm -hmm. that was the last piece that Edom did as a group mm -hmm. Naked and Not Afraid blah, blah, blah. oh yeah so Peter Ryan decided he was going to quit after Naked and Not Afraid that's my, my, and Jennifer decided she didn't want to be in Edom if Peter Ryan was going to be in Edom. So there was this, there's a separation there. This is 1989. Mm -hmm. 
And so there was Lola and I left, and we, we actually wrote a grant for Eden to keep the company going. Mm-hmm. And Peter Ryan uh, went off to teach at Studio 58, and Jennifer formed up the Jennifer Maskell, Maskell Dance, mm-hmm. which she had already formed, by the way. Yeah. It was already underway. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so Lola and I quit, and then, and then uh, there's a, a other story out here about this, but this is what happened in my opinion, Lola called the Canada Council and pulled out of the grant. The Canada Council called me and said, Lola has pulled out of your company. I'm like, what? So I found out secondhand, and I just said to them on the phone, and this is true, yeah. I said, I'll have, an, I'll have another grant to you in a week, and they said, it's past the deadline. I said, you'll have another grant in a week, and I hung up the phone. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so I, got, I got, I got, the, the argument was, Edom, we used to house four choreographers at Edom yeah. for the money. And I said, well, I've got four choreographers. I got myself, I got Serge Bonneton, mm-hmm. I got Steve, and I got Lisa. Mm-hmm. So they weren't all locals, right? but I had them all on board. Uh-huh. Lisa? Lisa Nelson. Mm-hmm. She, she's one, one of the people that started sense, sensory, all the sensory work, mm-hmm. performing from the senses. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant, actually. Unusual woman. Anyway, so uh, we, we, I had the four choreographers, and uh, Jennifer, Jennifer got a grant, and I got a grant. Lola ended up getting a B grant. What's a B grant? It was like an individual, by that time, oh, individual, individual grants. grants. They had come around. So basically, oh, so she pulled out and applied her own grant. She did. Okay, without telling you. Uh, well, she did, I mean, I, you know, as soon as I found out, I was like furious. Mm-hmm. So it didn't she, all she end. Like, I think she felt I was going to, you know, try and control the scenario or whatever, right. which I don't think I would, but maybe I would. And then when you applied a week late, they, so they still accepted that? They did, even though they may not admit that, you know. I mean, it was definitely an irregularity, but I think they also realized that I had been essentially wronged. Mm-hmm. You know, that not only had she pulled out, when I, when I talked to them, I was, it's like I didn't even know she'd pulled out, and they called right. me. So she'd obviously been getting advice from, from them. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up with Edom, and that was 1989. 1989. So Edom's around 82 to 89 as a kind of yeah, that period. Did you have fun with? Oh, a lot the of the time. A lot of the time, sure. We did lots of improvising and different types. We did children's shows, which drove me crazy. I mean, that was one of the reasons I quit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not a children's performer. I, I have no interest in that at all. So why are we doing it? Well, because there's money in it. I said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I'm not dancing for money. Mm-hmm. God, that's the last thing in the world I'd do to make money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it became an issue of, like, what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Do I want to make kids' performances? And they were good performances. Right. Kids liked them. Was it, was it difficult because kids of the... Kids' stuff and nonsense or something it was called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was it, was it because of the nature of the shows that you had to ch- change it because of the kids? That was, that, that was, uh, it, was chi- it was performing for children. We were, you know, Jay and I were platypuses, and mm. you know, I was wearing big, big fins on my feet and snorkels. And, mm, right, you know. right. So it's not exactly... Right, but it was still dance. Lola was an onion, a big, big onion. And I don't know. It right. was just like, no. I said, what are we doing this for? Because right. right. um, a dance company should supply both children's performance and adult performances. And I said, well, most of the artists that I know, particularly the ones down in the States, which are the ones I admired at the time, 
wouldn't even consider that. It's right. completely off the wall mm-hmm. from making kids' performances when you're, you know, are you a serious artist or not? Mm-hmm. And not that, I think kids' artists are serious artists and you should do it if you want, if that's your right. calling. But that's, that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, you yeah. do it. Right. You're totally. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, I had some fun performing for kids because they're, they're joy, joyful. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I, I had no interest in making work for them. Right. Okay. So I had a company, I started off with a company of eight dancers. And you know, like enough money to pay them wages. I just want to go back to how EM gets funding to start. So you guys become a collective, but like, did you have to fly to Ottawa to audition and all that? No, they they uh, they would uh, fly people around. My, we were applying for a company, so we didn't have to audition. We just wrote a grant. Uh, the individual ones. The individuals you you had to go and do the B grants. You had to go and audition. You had to go to Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver. Right. And they they fly all over the country to perform in front of a table full of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the company grants were based on assessments of the work. And you know I lucked out that way. I had my assessments actually I've done surprisingly well assessment wise over the years. Mm-hmm. I've had a few skanky ones, but generally speaking, pretty positive. Mm. So, and did they would assess the, the show? Grateful. Yeah, they assess the art. You know, the artfulness of it, the originality of it, the professionalism of it. You know. Mm. So, and that's still what they're doing. I mean, that's for the, they're going to cut out assessments. So I don't know what they're going to do in the future. I'm waiting. Wait and find out. Yeah. Anticipation. And so, and after all these companies, everybody was basically doing project-based things. So they would, you would all apply, and you would do their own, your own shows, basically. After Edom fell apart. Mm-hmm. Well, I had Edom, so I had a company. Jennifer had her own company. Everybody. Lola started Lola Dance, yeah. so she had a company. She formed like a, you know, a registered company, basically. And Peter Ryan was the only one that didn't. Mm-hmm. And there was only four. And Barbara and Jay formed their own company, and then. Within three or four years, she, they started doing buto, and that really changed things for them. Right. And for the positive, I would say, mm-hmm. it, really, it moved them into a into a, a realm of. Um, I guess it would be more experimental in those days to be a buto performer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was happy for them that they that they found that. Cool. Yeah. And Peter Ryan. It stuck around for a while then? Yeah, he stuck around and he was teaching at Studio 58 and doing the, uh, him and I did the odd performance stuff together. We had a, we had a duet that we used to do and we re, re, renamed it every year. <laughs> so it was XYZ one year, it was Sui Generis one year, and uh, Laughter's a Serious Affair. Mm-hmm. And we, we used to perform in suits and ties mm-hmm. and do contact. Yeah, it was pretty Oh, Thai pool. That was fun. I never did that. Really? But we, we definitely, you know, we did, we did some fairly radical things. That we did, laughter is a serious affair. We were intellectual, physical, emotional. So three parts. And the, uh, I can't remember which was which, actually. But we had a, a square, what we called a sandbox, but it was actually full of broken glass. And then we had a swinging, a swinging um, 
square that had air, you know, was open in the middle of the swing from the ceiling and it had broken bottles on the top and then we had a little ribbon on the floor. It was an eight foot square and then we bring the audience right in tight on the eight foot square and then we try to dance full out. Mm. Small spaces. Yeah, the broken glass one was, was actually, that wasn't that well attended actually, it's too bad because it was later shows of that work which were different. Uh, did much more audience-wise. But I remember my mom was here. That's mostly what I remember. <laughs> and I had to ask her if she felt all right about me break, dancing on a broken glass. She said, she said, well, I trust you. Is <laughs> 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 that what my mom would say? <laughs> the choreographic series, that came in basically after that? Or? Mm. The choreographic series started when Eden was still together. And it was called Forced Issues. Oh, okay. And I started it. I, I took on the initiative as part of Eden to start up because I wanted a performance space for improvising. And right. We had um, <clears throat> first. It was like first come, first serve, which became a problem because they wanted curated work. If you're going to be working, right. And funding. So I mean, I eventually changed it to curated. Mm -hmm. So, but it was first come. That's where I met uh, Dalek. For example, he, he came and did a performance here. And so there's quite a few people who used and to participate. Used uh, to sell, you know, like somebody walking up and down the aisle selling beer. And we'd do these, you know, I'd announce the shows as we went. Right. And we'd get probably 120 people in here all on this wall. There was a riser. Oh, the risers were in a different spot. Well, the, the, there was like, a, there used to be a three foot riser on either side, the full length of the room. And I took them out, or we, Mark Laval and myself, and and, uh, and Mona, I guess, Dalek to some degree. We took the, um, we did all this, the work ourselves anyway. Mm -hmm. Laid new floor. But there was a riser there, so we had a set of chairs on the riser and then a set of chairs in front of the riser. And the length of the room is such that you can get a lot of this people. big and you get 100, 110, 120 people in here. They'd be around the corners. Yeah. Mm. And so we were always performing to this wide flat. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. So when we turned it into a more curated event, I changed the the perspective to the way it is now. to the way it is now. Even though we did perform from that end this way and from this end that way, and various. And in the early days, I would just you know I, I would I would invite people who had pieces that were together but had no place to perform. Right. And I'd say, okay, well you can come perform the and we'll do this publicity. That's what we did, was the publicity. We provided the space, and there was no lighting or anything. Right. And then we got some lights, and you know, it got more and more curated, and more and more. But I've never let anybody do it more than once, mm -hmm. except for Alvin. Alvin and Tino. Alvin and Tino did two of them. That's mm -hmm. yeah, way back early. Mm -hmm. Sufe did it, Cornelius did it, Serge, John, John Elaine. But Serge didn't recently bring that piece back, that he, the, has two dancers in it. That was a yeah. couple of years ago. So he hadn't done it before that. No, that piece he did here. He made it here. He made it. Oh, he brought it back here. Oh, so it has oh, to be. No. The same. You know what I mean? Like a few years when he's in the middle and he's doing poetry. Yeah. So before that piece, he had never done a piece here. Oh, he did, but he did as a choreographer as part of the company. Right. Right. When I took over the company, I had four choreographers: Steve, and Lisa, and Serge. So I, I had eight dancers that were part of the company at the uh -huh. time. 
Savannah Brochu, Catherine, Catherine, ah, fuck. Sorry, Catherine. Um, Pipo Damiano, Susan Elliott, mm-hmm. um, Mark Laval, Jackie Metivier. Dana and Milamin uh, right? later. Oh, no, they were before. They were before I took over. And uh, Scott Drysdale. Those are the first there was, ones. There was eight of them. I don't know. Oh, Liz, Liz, Elizabeth Burr. Who am I missing? Liz Burr, Susan, Jackie, Pipo, Scott. I'm missing somebody. And there was eight dancers, anyway. Was there choreographers coming from other areas, too, that you would try to... Because it's hard to bring them here, but they were usually local. No, well, I mean, Serge, uh, Serge was local, mm-hmm. uh, but Steve is from Vermont and Lisa's from Vermont. Mm-hmm. And then I had Ted Robinson here doing stuff at one point. Um, I, I haven't shied away from somebody who's conveniently here right. from showing their work. Mm-hmm. You know? mm. And, it, you know, it was called Force Dishes for a while, and then people stopped coming because they said, oh, I've seen that. And I'm like, it's not the same. <laughs> And people just don't see it. So we changed it from forced issues to other issues. That's funny. Because we thought, this is like, okay, well, other issues then. <laughs> so we, we did a performance series called Other Issues, and that's when it became curated. I and then, then the same kind of complaints came up. Well, we've already seen that. The other issues. And it's like, we get three, three performance series a year. There's always different choreographers. So we eventually we started naming them independently. So it's called a choreographic series. Mm-hmm. But each each show has its own title. And you you name yeah, basically Eden names them. Uh, yes, with cooperation from the choreographers that are choreographing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I have a question. How I guess would you say your dance practice has changed over time? Whether that's choreography, dance, or teaching. Well, I've always had a couple of streams going on because I've been interested in choreography and I've been interested in improvising. I've been interested in, in technical dancing, and I've been interested in pedestrianism mm-hmm. and contact. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it depends. When I first took over Edom, I would do like I would do like eight pieces in one show. So short ones. Some, some were up to twenty minutes long. Some were like five. Uh-huh. You know, and and they uh, some would be. Performative, like you know, like like a regular dance piece from history, I guess. Mm-hmm. And some of them were more radical, some were political. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, for the first two or three years, I had Eden by myself. I produced uh, a lot of work, done of work actually. Mm-hmm. And what was the question again? Uh, how your practice has changed over? Uh, it, then I, I mean, when I had the company of eight dancers, the, two of them, Catherine, uh, Catherine and Sylvain would teach a modern technique class, mm-hmm. and then I would teach an hour of contact. Was that Catherine McDonough? No, that's like, that's Kathleen. Kathleen. Kathleen, okay. Yeah, no, she's not around anymore. Catherine, oh, that's a shame. So then you were teaching an hour of contact after after technique class. So we did Pilates twice a week with Diane Miller, and then she would give us a ballet class. 
and then we do modern modern dance class three times a week, followed by contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of dancing. We did a lot of, and we did it all together. And then public could come and take class if they wanted. Cool. Mm-hmm. So the classes were generally fairly well attended. Mm-hmm. And um, LaBelle, Catherine LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the company reduced, uh, the next year, the company reduced to six. Catherine LaBelle and Sylvain didn't come back. And then it's been slowly reducing. I mean, I, I have a lot of dancers I work with now, but they're not like, on a, we used to be on salary for five months. Right. And then on UIC for seven months. Right. And when they were on UIC, wow. they would, you know, we would give them a stipend, like a hundred bucks a week. Yeah. And then they could come to work. I mean, not full time, right, right. but you know, like there was a support system. Right. So people were living on dancing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I enjoy the salary is two hundred twenty-five bucks a week. Right. They needed a part-time job. But that's well, no, that was that was enough to live on. Yeah. It was. Which my kale costs. That's terrifying. <laughs> you know, we, try, we try and keep up. We've been, you know, increases, but like as we've increased wages, we've reduced dancers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, different, different eras, you know. I mean, in 1995, I made a ballet with John Lane, which was. Easy. Yeah. Which was a collection of a number of works that I'd done because mm-hmm. I couldn't do a, that amount of work in three weeks. I was right. intense. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we did, we did a performance of the work at the QE Theater mm-hmm. and then brought the ballet dancers down to the fire hall and did it during the Edge Festival. Cool. So it got performed in both spaces with nine dancers. Hmm. So that was, that was following Edom's. We did two waterfront shows in the early 90s. So my last Edom show with the collective was called Critical Mass. Mm-hmm. And that had Noam and Dana in it and Jackie Matibier and a woman named Don Trudeau. And Mary Craig and Mark Laval were angels, mm-hmm. and um, Jeff Cornes was the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and I had uh, Jerry Gilbert uh, on film reading his poetry uh, with his head cut off. So the, the film was just this guy with pages dropping to the floor. It was on film uh, in his underwear, and you're listening to him speak. It was all, it's all poetry. It was like a thick stack of poetry. That, mm. that was critical mass. The critical mass, okay. Yeah. As much as I could put into a piece. <laughs> these, that's where these mirrors came from. Mm. I bought those mirrors and put them on the wall facing the audience uh, um, in three spots. And then I built some raised... They used to have a little a nook there. And I built raised stages for the, the angels and the devil. Mm. And then Jerry was on top of the cross, uh, delivering his poetry, which was most that I can remember. Is, That's great. I'm trying to figure out how to explain to the kitty that I drank it. How, how do I explain that I drank the kitty litter? Mm-hmm. Drank the kitty. How do, I spray, how do I explain to the kitty that I drank the kitty litter money? <laughs> That's for some reason the only line I can remember from his poetry. It's a good line. Oh my God. So that's an aside. That's um, two shows at the Waterfront Theater. On Granville Island. On Granville Island. And then 
I did some big performance art stuff, like, um, oh no, that was before. That was before I had even, was knowing the data. And it was called Teller Visions, and I, d I did about four or five versions of Teller Visions, which up to like 30 dancers in one of them. We did, we did it in here at Eden at one point where I had all these art students from Emily Carr and then three or four long lines of sitting cross-legged and they were doing a mathematical adjustment sort of thing. Chick Snipper was in it and Mary Craig and oh, a bunch of people and then all these art students and I did it at Artropolis downtown. Did it at the Canada Dance Festival with six dancers only. Mm. We did it at um, the old main dance place on the main floor, the main dance hall. Main dance. Oh, at the yeah, uh, which one? Uh, the Arcadian Hall. Yeah, yeah. The Arcadian Hall. So that was my major work back in those days, televisions, which is about television addiction, basically. <laughs> Do you have video footage? Uh, there is some around. It's all VHS. I got one of those. Got a player at home. Well, there's some VHS stuff in the back room there, and uh, I'm not sure, because cameras were really hard to come by in those days, so we used slide projections and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I was using some video work, right. but not and film recording so much. What are some une unexpected uh, obstacles that, came, uh, that, that came along in your career? Well, I, th I got, after I did Dream Tigers in 1992, I thought I was going to get cut off because I got such bad assessments. And they told me my assessment, they had just given me a big increase and then they were giving me a big decrease and telling me I was on my way out. And then it, my assessments all turned around. So then they were like, oh shit, we were wrong. <laughs> so that was my biggest right. downturn. Oh, so they did watch the performances. And they thought they, the assessments written on the performance were like, it was a major piece of work. It had 16 millimeter film on three projectors. Mm. It had paintings that were like 11 feet by 15 feet. There was like um, half a dozen of those yeah. that worked on. They worked on. You could mix and match the paintings by flipping them, right. like on a turnstile. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was just lots of, tons of elements and a lot of effort put into this work. And uh, it did really well here in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I got a two-page review in The Sun, actually. Oh, cool. And we took it to the Canada Dance Festival and there's when my brother killed himself, same, like two days before the show, my brother killed himself. And then all these hanging images, he hung himself. All these hanging images in this piece. And the piece died. It literally bombed. In Ottawa. In Ottawa for various reasons. Uh, I don't think it was actually that bad a piece, but it bombed and that caused some reaction in the funding. But it didn't last. It's just like one round. At the festival, was it, was it different that you had done here? You, you feel like... Uh, oh, well, we did it at the fire hall here and it was, yeah. at, the, it was at the theater in the, in the National Arts Center, so mm -hmm. it was a bigger space, 700 I seats. Yeah. So <clears throat> we built it for the bigger stage. It was crammed into the fire hall. But people were lined up down the street to get into it at the fire hall. You've seen a dance show like that in Vancouver? Well, there used to be more attention. There did? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
do you have, I, I, when do you feel that died down? I've seen it come and go a few times. Just know, interest I, in dance in the city? No, I think it's interest in individual artists, you know, that, that do well. I mean, Jumpstart used to do fairly well with Lee Eisler. Karen was doing quite well. She did Altamira and Rainforest and uh, Sisyphus. And she was, Karen was being touted as the next major choreographer potentially in the country. Mm. And, uh, you know, she was doing some pretty interesting stuff. She, she kind of got locked in. And then uh, I think that her growth got, you know, limited at that point. Not per her personal growth, but financial. Mm-hmm. Like the support for it. Right. I don't know Karen's funding situation, so I, I, I shouldn't be commenting. But <laughs> I lost the conversation. Where no, no, it's good. Yeah. yeah, so that, that was the unexpected obstacle. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, not that I've been expected to be, to be supported all these years. Mm. I mean, it's always a question. Is also for you as an artist anything that's come up? Well, I mean, losing my abilities is a major issue for me because uh, all my choreography used to come off my body. Right. Now, now it comes out of my head or out of my mouth or, right. and was even partially coming out of my body. Mm-hmm. Like I would talk dancers into particular phrases and then go in and fix the details. Right. That kind of stuff. So yeah, just getting older has been a major obstacle. Mm-hmm. And performance-wise, I mean, I'm I'm looking to get my knee replaced in a couple of years, or a year. So that's going to change something again. Mm-hmm. So, are you dancing already? Am I dancing? Yeah, or just laying off it until I can't. Right. Right. My, I'm in too much physical discomfort. Right. We kind of. Did the, did the 70s and early 80s and then popped to the mid-90s. What are we missing between... Why is we're missing the early 90s? I'm just trying to figure out what happened. Because you started running Eden by yourself. In 1989. So then in the early 90s, that's kind of the start of that. Yeah. So we did the 90s, early 90s. Then mm-hmm. Valley BC was 95, I believe. Right. Then I've done a major work every two years since then. And the last one was, what was the name? City of Garna. Oh, um, City of Crows was four years ago. Trees. Yeah, yeah. Which I was very happy with, uh, actually, that piece. I was in Montreal. Yeah. I saw it, yeah. Yeah. At the... At the, at the, at the Roundhouse. At the Roundhouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was... I thought it was quite a different kind of piece for me. And uh, it really required a lot, another level of attention from the audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I really and you that. slowly, you were slowly building that piece over. I do that. I, I use the choreographic series as a way of choreographing. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. so, for anybody who doesn't know, the choreographic series happens twice a year. Twice a year, or or if I'm doing a major work, uh, once. Once, right? Once or twice a year, um, and that involves two choreographers other than yourself. That's correct. Get come here, make a piece, present it here. Yeah. Along with Peter making his own, work. His, own, his own work. And and the and the parameter is that the work has to be a certain length or has to be between fifteen and twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, you know, now they get coverage for three dancers for forty hours mm-hmm. and uh, they get uh, a couple of video documents, they get uh, lighting design, mm-hmm. 
or essentially a lighting design. Mm -hmm. They get the publicity, uh, yeah, and the space to create. Mm -hmm. yeah. So seems like a good formula. Yes, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I have fun every time. Decently cheap beer too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just a place to have beers. So mm -hmm. You just want to have beers. Yeah. <laughs> if there was one artist left in the world, uh, who would you choose that to be? One artist left in the world? That seems like a ridiculous question. <laughs> it is, yeah. So I don't think I'm going to answer it. Okay. No answer. Okay, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> um, if you had a superpower, what superpower would that be? Levity. Levity. Nice. Yeah, I'd like to be able to take off. Take off, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I've always dreamed of flying. I used to fly inside of planes in my dreams, and then eventually I got to a point where I could just fly. <laughs> <laughs> I used to step off the top stair of a set of stairs. By the time I got to the bottom, I was floating. Nice. And then I could actually generate flight upright. Whoa, so in vertical. In vertical, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Flying dreams. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, the, for our generation, I guess, uh, that you want to share? Don't try and be cool. Good advice. Really, like, make it personal. Mm -hmm. You're speaking to dance, choreography, all of the different spectrums of it. I, art in general, I feel, should be personal mm -hmm. uh, and universal. I mean, it's ideal if you can get both those, if you can hit both those marks. It's okay. very rare. Mm -hmm. But no, I think, I mean, if it's not personal, then it just becomes like building blocks or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At least for me, the work that's most affected me is either someone's intellect or their heart mm -hmm. or their energy mm -hmm. or their love. Mm -hmm. You know, something reads. Mm -hmm. It's personal. And I, you know, I love good thinkers. It's not like it has to be mm -hmm. exposing their personality or something, mm -hmm. like deep thinking. It's also very cool. Yeah. Cool. Even though I didn't say be cool, don't be cool. But it's cool to be cool, too. <laughs> yeah. In itself, it's cool to be thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to think, actually. Well, we're getting to about, getting to about an hour and a half now. Oh, that's lots. Yeah, so well, we're going to have to bring you back and anything else at some point to go through. But if Sure. Anything that you'd like, anything else you want to end with right now, or anything else you want to say? Or? Come and see my shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's do some publicity here. Um, when is the next one? December. Next one's early December, and it's uh, Shea Kubler and uh, Julianne Chapel. Shea Kubler, Julianne Chapel, and Peter Bingham himself. Wow, that's fine. Yeah. December. Uh, December third through through the seventeenth. No, seventh to seventeenth. Okay. 7th to 17th. And those six shows altogether? Wednesday, Friday, Saturday for two weeks. Awesome. And also, do you want to say anything about class? Because it might be... Class, contact if you've got experience, come ahead. Try it out. 
So there's Sundays at Sundays noon? Sundays and Cooper's teaching uh, uh, more of a beginner level of contact, uh, I think. I shouldn't speak for her, but I'm speaking for her. Um, 12 to 2. And then my classes daily from 10 till 12. And if you're a physical person and you are capable of learning, you're welcome to come try it. And if they, they, they can always email you and ask you? Maybe they can. They can email me. Which is uh, edamdance.org. Edamdance.org. One last thing, either or game. Uh, <laughs> it'll be quick. We, we play either or game. Okay. Uh, if you'd like to play uh, sure. for fun. Sure. Only 20 questions. Okay. All right. Salt or lime? Salt. Socks or leg warmers? Socks. Lakes or oceans? Oceans. Paper or pencil? Paper. Caramel or vanilla? Vanilla. Mountains or shores? Shores. Zebra or donkey? Zebra. <laughs> Pictures or paintings? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. You can veto. If you want to veto, you can veto. I'd say pictures and paintings. Leaves or grass? Leaves, definitely. Black or white? Red. <laughs> Fishes or birds? Birds. Basketball or soccer? Basketball. Cloud or sky? Sky. Dice or cards? Cards. Diego or Rash? Both. <laughs> Beer or wine? At least it wasn't a neither. Beer, even though I haven't been drinking it lately. Lions or kittens? Oh, I think lions. Simple or simpler? Simpler always. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Wood or marley? Wood. <laughs> Sunset or sunrise? Oh, they're both so nice. I think sunrise. Sunrise. Even though I don't do it very often. Wow. Yeah, she's a tough one to see sometimes. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And anything, anything you want to finish up with, Peter? Please feel free. And next time. Next time. Awesome. I'll, I'll remember the name of that artist that does the vocalizing. Yes, yeah, we'll come back for that. We'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks for the time. Nice to meet you, people.